and welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of Viking Story. My name is Alan Laycock-Fuchs, and you are listening to a podcast that is dedicated to a novel that I've written, which is also set in the Viking Age. So this podcast is more or less a tool to explore the journey that I'm on in the process of writing this novel, and as well to explore various Viking themes. Uh, and on that note, today I'm going to do a read-through of the introduction to my novel. Hopefully it's going to be a shorter episode than the last one. I I believe it will be. The introduction is not very long. Um, this is going to be the first time, actually, that I've read my story out loud. So that's going to be a bit of a, a unique experience. Hopefully I don't mess it up, but I'm sure it'll be a bit strange for me reading it. However, what I'd like to do is just to give you guys a taste of the novel itself. I think the introduction is the best way to do that. And what I'll, what I'll do is I'll just do a quick read-through, and then I'll talk about it and break down the introduction afterwards. But... I'll just present it as it is so that you can hear it um, for the first time without any sort of, I don't know, preconceived notions or any other thoughts. So here we go. Introduction. A smile spread across Thorbjorn's face as he watched his men carry the precious wares out of the monastery, golden treasures from a culture not completely understood by the elderly Norwegian. Some of the monks had put up a resistance that had been quickly subdued. For a moment, Thorbjorn had considered enslaving them to sell on to Sarkland. But since it was nearing the end of the sailing season, he decided to kill the resistors instead. Besides, the added weight to the ships would have been a burden, and the amount of loot was already growing heavy. Red rubies and white diamonds decorated the drinking glasses that paraded by Thorbjorn's careful watch. He imagined his wife wearing the golden bracelets that he had found locked away in a small wooden chest. They were special bracelets, so special, in fact, that he had kept them in his private leather pouch that dangled by his waist and made a small clinking sound whenever the two bracelets touched. Thorbjorn watched the rest of the loot being carried over the hill to where the ships had been brought ashore, to a perfect beach to facilitate their loading. The precious church items were going to make his men rich, and, from a personal standpoint, they would also enhance his own status back home. Thorbjorn puffed out his chest with pride as he imagined his increasingly opulent Nonghouse in Norway, and his beautiful wife shimmering in gold and silver next to the flickering flames of the hearth. The late summer sun seemed to warm his face as much as his own thoughts warmed his heart. Those thoughts were suddenly interrupted, however, by a loud crashing sound. One of the men had dropped a lavishly decorated chalice. Careful, came the order from Valgather, an Icelandic chieftain who had worked in partnership with Thorbjorn to lead this successful expedition. Thorbjorn watched the sword by Valgather's side sway back and forth as the Icelandic chieftain approached him at the front door to the monastery. It's been a good haul, Valgather stated bluntly, but may I speak to you around the corner for a moment? I admire your taciturn approach to dialogue, old friend. What is it that concerns you? Valgather afforded Thorbjorn's comment a slight smirk. We Icelanders tend to be efficient in our word use. Follow me. Thorbjorn's red cloak flapped in the wind as Valgather led him around to the side of the monastery where they could talk in private. Will you tell stories of this raid at the Althing next summer? Thorbjorn asked. I will, but it's hardly a good story to tell, being killed by a monk. Confused, Thorbjorn stopped walking and proceeded to question what his comrade had meant by that statement. Valgather explained the lie. They will remember you for your bravery in battle, old friend, because I will tell them how you were killed today at the hands of a monk. Valgather unsheathed a small dagger from his belt and quickly ran it across Thorbjorn's throat, slicing through his voice box and causing the large viking to fall helplessly down to the ground, unable to call or cry for help. Okay, <laughs> and that was a first reading by me of my introduction. A few tongue twisters in there for me. It's uh, easier to 
to type and write some of these words and names than it is to say them out loud. But there you go. That is the introduction. Um, I wanted it to be short. I wanted it to be sort of succinct. And I wanted there to be something that catches the reader. And I thought having introducing two main characters and then killing one of them off right away was uh, a powerful way to do that, a powerful tool to use. So hopefully it grabs the attention of the reader. And I just wanted to kind of look through it again with you right now and just kind of talk about some of the different aspects of the introduction. So as I mentioned, you're introduced to two characters, Thorbjorn and Valgather. It's not really made clear exactly what their uh, ranking is, but it's made clear that, that Thorbjorn is Norwegian and Valgather is Icelandic. So you can be pretty sure that uh, Valgather is a chieftain. In fact, maybe I even say that. I think I do call him, yes, an Icelandic chieftain. So in Iceland, nobody was nobody was a king or a queen. They tried to avoid that terminology just to make sure that they don't ruffle the feathers the wrong way of uh, others in, in Scandinavia, other, other kings and rulers. Uh, so they called themselves chieftains and they tried to establish a community where there was no hierarchy, so to say. So um, there was no overlord, there was no ruler, there was no king or queen. Everyone was equal. But of course, this didn't last. There were people in Iceland that gained prominence and status followed from there. But it was a nice ideal to start out with. And Thorbjorn has not made clear exactly what his, his ranking was, but obviously he was someone of, of equal status to Valgather. They're working together to lead this expedition, which is clearly a raid on a monastery. This was a typical kind of Viking activity that you might pursue. So these two are working together. And then, of course, Valgather is um, declared the bad guy. He reveals himself to be the, the villain in this case when he murders his comrade. But as I've mentioned in previous episodes, murder was not frowned upon or looked down upon because of the moralities associated with it, it was frowned upon because it was seen as a cowardly way to kill somebody. If you wanted to just, if you wanted to end somebody's life, then homicide was the way to go. Just straight up kill that person, but don't do it in a sneaky, sort of underhanded way because there's no honor in that. So Valgather here clearly has no honor. He is the bad guy, and poor Thorbjorn has uh, now lost his life. Obviously, this sets into motion a, a, a chain of events that that come to follow. This is not just an event that, that doesn't matter. So there is some, some follow-up, but obviously that comes later in the novel. There are a number of other references in the, the introduction. So there's the mention of Sarkland, and this was the name that the Vikings gave to the Middle East. So when they traded with the, the Middle East, this was Sarkland. And one of the big things that they traded actually was slaves. Uh, so it's mentioned here that the monks, uh, possible they could have been enslaved, but on this occasion, they were just killed instead. But slave trade was a big business, and especially in the Middle East, there was a, a huge demand for it because people there at this time uh, wanted to have slaves, but they didn't want to enslave other Muslims. And this is where the Vikings could fit in perfectly because they could bring slaves from places like the British Isles where there were was an abundance of people who were non-Muslims. So, yeah, slave trade was, was very prominent. And in return, of course, the Vikings would also get exotic goods such as spices, dyes, beads, things of that nature as well. So there was a, there was a good trade business between the two there. The Vikings also had slaves, and uh, this is something that I even touch upon in, in my novel. The main character of my novel, his family has a slave, but slaves were not... It wasn't as bad as you might think. They usually weren't mistreated or anything like that, but... They were sort of, yeah, the, the, the worst thing, I suppose, <laughs> from the slaves' point of view is that they didn't have any freedom. 
So this would be this would be the downside, definitely, of being a slave. But they were fed; they were more or less treated as, as a member of the family. And slaves in in the Viking Age could actually get their freedom. It was possible for the owner of a slave to release their slave. It's possible for a slave to sort of earn their own wealth to free themselves. So it wasn't completely uncommon that a, a slave would be freed, and then they would lose that status. So, but. But yeah, definitely this was a, a part of the, the culture back then, both for the Vikings and for, for people in Sarkland in, in the Middle East. I also mention in this introduction, or at least I hint to the acquisition of wealth, but, but not for wealth's sake. So this is also a topic I've talked about in the past, but wealth was generally done to increase one's own status and importance and to improve the relationship between them and their followers and to gain support. So yeah, wealth was not accumulated for wealth's sake, but to increase one's status and reputation. There's also a reference to later in the year, the end of the, the season. So this is an expedition that is clearly taking place sort of in the late fall. This will probably be one of the last expeditions of the season. And typically what would happen is most Vikings would go raiding in the summertime, maybe into the fall a little bit. But by the time winter came, that was a time to be home and on your you know, farmstead, just sort of seeing out the winter. And then the next spring, early summer, that's when you might start sailing again. I also use the term old friend in this introduction. And that's because I, when I was reading the sagas, there was a term in Old Norse called Bokisaich. It's a really hard word to, to say, especially for a non-Icelander such as myself, but you have to do a weird thing with your tongue with air coming out both sides of your tongue when you say saich, saich. It's really difficult, but basically this translates into old friend or it's like a term of endearment. So I, I use that in my introduction here. Of course, then Valgarther says it kind of sarcastically in return later on, but yeah, it was a term of endearment basically uh, during the Viking Age. I also make reference to the Althing, which was Iceland's supreme court, but also sort of doubled as an annual social gathering. If you'd like to learn more about the Althing, then I encourage you to go back to season one, listen to the very last episode, so episode six of season one, and there I talk a lot more detail about the Althing, about laws in general in Iceland at the time. But uh, I think that's where I'm going to leave it here. I feel like this is a, a good spot to end the the episode, but of course, I'd love to hear from you. If you're a fan, if you're an agent, if you're a publisher, if you'd just like to get in touch, you can reach me at vikingstoryfaq at outlook.com. That's vikingstoryfaq. I'd love to hear from you. And in the next episode, it's going to be actually the last episode of this season, but we're going to cover some breaking news and go into some detail about what to expect from me and this podcast going forward. So that should be a lot of fun, but until then, of course, cue Thor's Thunder. <laughs>